morning, church. Y'all can be seated. Thank you. I appreciate that. Wow. Okay, man. Again, good morning. I want to welcome those of you who are watching online as well. I'm excited to be here today, and I'm excited for several reasons. First of all, because as you can see, I am a grandfather. And you got to see my grandson. That was a shock for me. I didn't know that was going to be in the announcements today. But he is so precious, and we feel so blessed by having him here. And so I just thank God for that. I thank you so much for your kind words of encouragement and congratulations and those of you who have reached out to our family during this time. But I'm also excited about our new Kingdoms Kid, Kingdom Kids program. Man, it's a great opportunity for our children to be taught, but then also at the same time, for those of you who are parents, this gives you an opportunity to be able to learn as well and to study God's Word too without being interrupted. So this is an awesome day. It's a day that the Lord's made. And man, I hope that throughout the day you'll remember the blessings that God has blessed you with and you will just continue to rejoice. I rejoice also for this fact. God's amazing grace. It's the only way I know how to describe it. Just like the song that we sang just a few minutes ago. For those of you who were unable to be here last week, we had our sunrise service. And at our sunrise service, I just asked if there was anyone who would like to come up and leave something at the cross of Jesus. And I said, we'll take those things and we'll pray over them. I'll, I'll ask the elders to pray over them. Several, and there were more, but, but several brought several things. You, you filled out a piece of paper, and if you didn't get to do that, or if you meant to do that, there's more paper and pens up here, and, and you can leave that behind, and we'll, we'll pray over those things. But I started thinking about that this week. And I started thinking about the series we just came out of about the greatest love story of all time. And it just made me think about God's amazing grace for mankind. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. But before we do that, I want to begin by telling you about a dream that I had. I dreamed that I died, and I went to heaven, and I was standing at those pearly gates, and there was Peter, and the question was, was I going to be able to enter or not? And so Peter said, well, let me check the books to see if you have been good enough, if you have done enough good in your life to overturn your bad. And so he starts flipping through the books. And finally, he looks me in the eyes and he says, well, Slate, he said, you made it. You're going to get to enter heaven. But he said, man, you just barely made it. In fact, to be fair to those who are more deserving of being in heaven... I'm going to give you a penalty that you're going to have to deal with for all eternity. And immediately, 
the most disgusting, foul creature that I had ever seen in my life appeared beside me. And Peter said, that creature is going to have to be with you for all eternity. And so I agreed to the terms and I walked in through those pearly gates and I started walking down the streets of gold. And as I did, I saw Richard Primo heading towards me. And standing next to Richard Primo was this gorgeous woman. I mean, she was just absolutely gorgeous. And so I run back to Peter, and I point at Richard, and I said, Peter, what is the deal? And he looked at me, and he said, well, Slate, he said, you see that beautiful woman with Richard? I said, yeah. He said, well, she just barely made it into heaven as well. Now, there's several things about that fictitious story this morning that is simply a myth. And, and I'm just going to share two of them with you this morning. First of all, we've got to earn our way to heaven. That, that's a myth. That we can be good enough, that we can do enough to overturn the bad in our life. But then secondly, the best we can hope for is to barely make it in. Listen, that's not good news. I mean, if I have got to do enough good, if I've got to do enough good deeds to overturn all the bad that I've done and at best, barely make it into heaven, listen to me this morning, that is not good news. But I'm going to share some good news with you this morning. Look at Ephesians chapter 2. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 9. I'm not going to put this up on the screen because it's a lengthy reading. It says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions, and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. As I said this morning, I want to talk to you about the subject of grace. But here's where I've got to begin. I've got to begin 
with grace's assessment of all mankind. And, and I realize, I know that there are probably some of you watching this morning, some of you in this audience who are not going to like what I'm about to say, but you've got to hear it. You need to hear it. Grace's assessment of all mankind is we were subjects of death and objects of wrath. You see, the gospel of grace always begins with bad news. And the bad news is worse than most people want to believe. But here's the truth. Before we gave our lives to Jesus, or if you have never given your life to Jesus this morning, the Bible says that you are subject to death and you are an object of God's just wrath. Look back at Ephesians 2 verse 1 again, this time from a different translation. Once you were white church, said out loud, you were dead, doomed forever. And he tells us why. Because of your many what? Because of your many sins. And my task this morning is to get you to believe what you just read. Because one of Satan's greatest lies is to convince people that they are really living when without Jesus Christ, they are dead. That's what I want you to understand this morning. Without Jesus, you are dead in your sins. I think about Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20, where Jesus is with his disciples and they climb into a boat and they go to the other side of the lake. And where they landed in their boat, there was this cemetery. And in this cemetery, there was this guy who was full of demons. And he is running around this cemetery and he's cutting himself and he's screaming and he's yelling and he's scaring people to death. Just a hideous form of humanity until Jesus sets him free. And what some of you probably don't want to hear this morning is without Jesus, that's us. Without Jesus, we're living in a cemetery and we can't escape because Paul says that there are three powerful locks on that cemetery. The ways of the world, the spirit of the air, and our own sinful nature. Now, let me talk very briefly about each of these three. The ways of the world. If you're going how the world goes, thinking how the world thinks, in the flow of the mass, let me ask you a question this morning. Are you getting closer or are you going to get further away from God? Listen to me this morning. The world will never take you closer to God. And then he talks about the spirit of the air. And I don't know why he uses this metaphor unless it's to suggest that the devil is just all around us, seducing, lying, distorting, trying to keep us from understanding spiritual truth so that we can't 
asset or assess how desperate our situation really is, trying to convince us that we are really living when again we are dead. And then lastly, he mentions our own sinful nature. This is what the Bible calls the flesh. You see, our DNA is rebellion. Our very essence is that doubled up fist that says, you can't make me, I don't have to, I'm going to do what I want to do, I'm the master of my faith, I am the captain of my soul. That's the flesh. That's our sinful nature. Imagine, if you will, being in a sailboat about a half a mile up from Niagara Falls when the engine stops working. Now, what is the flow of that river doing? It's taking you to your doom. And that's the way of the world. The world never takes you to life. The world only takes you to death. And so you immediately throw up the sails and wind catches that sail, but it pushes you even faster towards the falls, towards doom. And that's the spirit of the air. And so you run down below to the engine and you take a hammer and you just start beating that, ham that engine because you just don't know what to do. That's the flesh. It's always making a mess worse. In other words, you're dead in the water. And that is grace's assessment of you and me without Jesus. You see, grace's assessment of you and me without Jesus is not that we are sick. Okay? Human philosophy and human religion will tell you, listen, man, mankind is just sick, and if you'll just get some counseling, if you'll just take this medication, if you'll just check into this program, then you can be fixed. If you'll just make some adjustments to your life, then you can be better. But here's the question. Can a dead person change anything? Listen, you can take a corpse and you can give it counseling. You can give it medication. You can put it through a program. But here's the fact of the matter. It's not going to change because it's dead. Listen, the Bible is the only religious book in the world that teaches the impossibility of self-salvation. That we can't do anything about our, about our situation because we're dead. All mankind is dead. Now, don't misunderstand me this morning. I'm not saying that all mankind outside of Jesus is equally bad. What I'm saying is all mankind outside of Jesus is equally bad off. 
Because as I've been telling you over the last couple of weeks, as we talked about all that Jesus went through, as far as mankind is concerned, what we deserved was judgment for our sins. Right? And there was nothing that we could do about it. But as we get into Ephesians chapter 2, we see two of the most beautiful words in the Bible. But God. Right? Not but government or but education, not even but religion. But rather, Paul says, but God. In, in fact, look at verses 4 through 5. Notice what he says after he talks about how we're dead to our sin. He says, but God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. Please understand, this is what separates Christianity from all human philosophy and, and all world religions. Christianity is not about the sick getting well. It's about the dead receiving life. You see, you and I, we didn't need a resuscitation. You and I needed a resurrection. We were dead in our sins. And we receive that resuscitation through Jesus alone. Now we're getting to the good news. As we look at Ephesians chapter 2, it's kind of interesting because in this text it talks about God's wrath, but it also talks about God's love towards sinful mankind. You see, God has to pour out His wrath on sin. He has to. His holiness demands it. He cannot compromise His justice. But at the same time, this is a loving God who cannot deny His love for all sinners, and He cannot compromise His mercy. And so we see this dilemma. God has got to pour out His wrath, but God is a loving God, and so how is heaven going to reconcile this dilemma? Well, we see the answer in Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. Paul writes, he, that's Jesus, canceled the record of the charges, our sin, against us, and he took it away by what church? By nailing it to the cross. You see, in order for us to have life, Jesus had to be put death. 
And then Paul goes on to say after Jesus died in verses 5 through 6, and this is what we celebrated last Sunday, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead, for He raised us from what church? From the dead along with Christ. This is what we need to understand. Sin is when you and I put ourselves in the place where only God deserves to be. That's sin. Salvation is when God puts Himself in the place where only you and I deserve to be. And it was because He took our place that you and I could be free from the penalty of our sins. In Romans chapter 3, verses 23 through 27, Paul says, For everyone has sinned. Everyone. Everyone in this room. Everyone watching online. All of us are sinners. And he goes on to say, Yet God, with undeserved kindness, declares that we are righteous. He did this through Christ Jesus when He freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as a sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed His life, shedding His blood. The sacrifice shows that God was being fair when He held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For He was looking ahead and including them in what He would do in the present time. God did this to demonstrate His righteousness. For He Himself is fair and just and He declares sinners to be right in His sight when they believe in Jesus. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No. Because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. Slate, what are you saying? What is, what is Paul saying? Paul is saying the judge was judged in our place. Jesus came and in His life, He perfectly fulfilled the law. And in His death, He perfectly satisfied the demand of the law that sinners must die. As I said from the very beginning of our last series, Jesus didn't just come to save us, He, he came to take our place. We deserve judgment our sin, but Jesus took our place and He paid the penalty. He paid the price for that sin. And so Paul says, can we boast then that we've done anything to be accepted by God? I mean, what can we do? We were dead. Our being made alive is all grace because we were dead. We couldn't do anything at all. And hear me, and God didn't have to do anything at all. He could have left us 
to be punished and to suffer his wrath, which he would have been very just in pouring out on us. But he didn't. Now don't misunderstand me this morning. This doesn't mean that all mankind will be saved. But it does mean that all mankind is now savable. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how far you've gone. You were dead. I was dead. And we can't be more dead than anyone else. Right? And so anyone is savable because anyone can be made alive in Jesus. And so grace announces that by accepting the terms of Jesus, here's the good news. You will be, I will be saved. Isn't that awesome? Acts chapter 16, verses 31 through 34, there's a story about Paul and Silas. They'd been preaching about Jesus. And they were arrested for it, and they were severely beaten. They were thrown into prison. And, and later that night, as blood is pouring from their, their wounds, they began to worship and they began to praise God for His goodness. And there was an earthquake and the door to the, the prison opened, and when the guards saw this, thinking that they were going to escape, and thinking that he was going to be killed himself for their escape, he draws his sword to take his own life, and Paul says, whoa, 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 don't hurt yourself. He says, we're still here. And the jailer Knowing that these were godly men, he asked them the most important question anyone could ever ask. And if you haven't thought about this question, I hope you'll think about it today. What must I do to be saved? That's what he asked Paul and Silas. And here's their answer. Verses 31 through 34, so they said, Do why, church? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. There's, there's one term right there. You've got to believe. You've got to believe that Jesus is who He claimed to be, the very Son of God, that He came and He sacrificed Himself and He paid for your sins. You've got to believe. And He says, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to Him and all who were in the house. And He took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately He and all His family were baptized. There's, there's another term. And some of you may be thinking, now, wait a second, Slate, we've got to be baptized? I mean, isn't that at least proof that we play a part in our salvation? I mean, it's, it's not all grace. Well, here, here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to think back to that boat. Think back to the flow and the wind and the dead engine that's taking you to your doom. And then suddenly you hear a noise. It's a helicopter. And that helicopter swoops in before you go over the falls to your doom and drops 
a ladder, and you reach up and you grab that ladder and that helicopter takes you to safety. Now let me ask you a question this morning. When you get dropped off at safety, do you brag about how you grabbed that ladder? That's all baptism is. Is simply accepting the terms of the grace of God. It's my visible act of trust in the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. It's my way of saying, God, I believe that I will clothe myself in Jesus through baptism because of what you did. What you did to Him and what you did to me, I will be raised to life with Christ. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 4. He says, have you forgotten that when you joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined Him in His death? For we died and were buried with Christ in baptism. So, so when we're baptized, it's as if we're going through the same thing that Jesus went through. His death, burial, and His resurrection. When we go down into the water, we die to our sin. And we're buried in that water. We're buried just as Jesus was buried. But then just as Jesus rose from the grave, when we come up out of that water, notice what He says. The glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Listen, as far as salvation is concerned, there is nothing for us to boast about except for the amazing grace of God. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. He later goes on to say in Philippians 3, verse, verse 3, We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in what, church? In human effort. And so let me ask you a question this morning. What gospel do you believe? And if you want to find out the answer to that question, all you have to do is answer this question. Where do you put your trust? What do you boast about? Do you boast about your good deeds? Do you boast about the absence of sin in your life? I'm reminded of another guy in the Bible, a Pharisee in Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 12, who did something very similar. Remember, he went into the temple with a tax collector, and remember, as the Pharisee was praying, he was, he was praying, God, I am so thankful I'm not like this guy. I fast and I tithe. In, in other words, I'm doing all these good deeds. But, but besides that, Lord, I, listen, I'm nothing like this guy because I'm not a robber. I'm not an adulterer. I'm not doing things out here that are evil. Is that what we boast in? Listen, if we're trusting in our own goodness to save us, we are straightening chairs on the Titanic. 
The good news is not that we can be saved. Every false religion Satan has ever inspired teaches us that we can be saved. The good news is that you can be saved by grace, not by works, so that no man can boast. I think Paul put it best in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14, where he said, May I never boast except in what church? Except in the cross of our Lord. The only thing we can boast about is, is what God did. And all this other stuff... Living for Him, doing good deeds, all of that is because of our love for Him, because of what He did for us. It's not checking a box and saying, I, I, I can be good enough, I can do enough to get myself into heaven. Because let me tell you something, guys, we can't. We can't. We serve the Lord and we love the Lord we do for the Lord because of His grace and His love for us. This morning, if you want to know more about Jesus, let me tell you. If you want to know about a God who loves you so much that He would send His own Son to die for you, so that you wouldn't have to pay the penalty for your sin. Let me tell you, I'd love to sit down and tell you more about Jesus. Because He's your Savior. He can free you from sin. Or as a Christian, if, if there's something that you're struggling with right now, there's, there's something right now that you need to leave at the cross. There's something right now that you've been struggling with so long that it's become a wedge between you and God. And it may be doubt, and it may be anxiety, and it may be bitterness, it may be personal judgment, it may be guilt and shame. I don't know what it is. But what I want to encourage you to do is leave it at the cross. Give it to Jesus. And trust that He can deal with it. He's already dealt with it. And so give it to Him. Let's pray. God, we just thank You so much for Your grace, Father. Father, I know that there are times in my life where this is one of those things I, I struggle with. So oftentimes I'm, I'm working so hard not in love for you, but really to put myself in a position so that I can save myself. And, and God, I can't. Help us to understand we, we can't. We're only saved through you. you. The sacrifice that you made for us by taking our place, you took our guilt, our shame, and our sin. And Father, we're so grateful. And that takes such a heavy load off of us, Father. This is truly good news that we're not having to try and be good enough 
so that we can make it into heaven. That's, that's all on you and your righteousness. Father, if there's anyone here today that needs to know more about you, that needs to give their life to you, Father, I pray that you'll speak to their heart. Pray that you'll convict them right now to give their life to you, to believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be, that he died on the cross for their sins, and that he is the Savior. And Father, I pray that they'll put on Christ in baptism, robed in his blood, having their sins completely washed away. Or Father, if there's someone here today that's a Christian, and there's some sort of sin that's wedged its, wedged its way into their life and, and really taken the place of where you need to be. Father, I pray that you'd remove it. Pray that you would empower them by your Holy Spirit to overcome that sin. And Father, again, we just thank you for always providing for us, both physically and spiritually. And we pray this prayer in the power of Jesus' name. Amen. Again, I'm, I'm going to leave the paper and the pens up here. And if there's something that you need to leave at the cross, or if you want to know more about Jesus, you want to know more about giving your life to Jesus, and you want to talk to me about baptism, I'd love to tell you about it. But today, the, the opportunity is, is there. We'll pray over these things. Our elders will, will pray over these things. We'll pray that God will, will strengthen you in those areas.